0: Hello, everyone. This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you so much for joining me today on an Easter weekend, and happy Easter if you celebrate. Uh, Today's topic is really one that is so important. When it comes to people that want to transform themselves, people don't ask me this. I wish they would, uh, is what would it take for me to change? What's the outcome of therapy? What's the point of of transformation? What would it look like when I'm able to transform? And what would I need? What tools do I need to transform? And so I'm answering that for you today. You didn't ask, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. (laughs) All right. So... Let's get started on what I'm calling that, which is it's between two things. And I don't know if I should do them separately or do them together. And um, it looks like it's going to be together. I want to start with, when do I need to change? You know, what would what it take? What would it take for me? And what I've seen in others, what took for them to change? So these are the questions that I want you to ask yourself or the thoughts I want you to reflect on. First, I want you to reflect on the idea or the thought that does the way I live match what I believe? So, for example, if I am an independent woman and I believe that I'm an independent woman and I know deep down inside I am self-sufficient and all that good stuff and emotionally independent, sometimes we can be in a relationship where we feel very codependent. And so that doesn't match what I believe. And that's when unhappiness will show up. There's a couple of quotes that I want to read and they're by Gandhi and um, they really got great concept. They really got great ideas there. Bear with me. The first quote states, to believe in something and not to live it is dishonest. And that makes sense if you think about it. Because to believe in something and not to live it, you know, kind of like that example I just gave you feels dishonest to me. And I know deep down inside that I'm living with this dishonesty or this denial. And eventually that will eat me alive. (laughs) It sounds really violent, 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 but it it is kind of, it can be, it'll eat me alive on the inside. It will start to deteriorate me on the inside. My self-love, my um, ability to be honest with myself. It's like, I'm going to cover up this lie with another another lie and another lie and another lie and another lie. And then next thing you know, I'm living a bunch of lies and I'm unhappy. Deep down inside, basically, I know I'm being dishonest. Another of one of Gandhi's beliefs is really, you know, pretty self-explanatory. I mean, it just makes sense. He says, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions, and your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. What I really like about this is that he's saying that our core beliefs, what we believe is important to us, you know, they determine what we think about. They really support (laughs) our thoughts, support what, what our beliefs are. And then your thoughts become your words. And then your words, unfortunately, become the actions that you take, or fortunately, for that matter, it could go both ways, right? And then, of course, we take on actions over and over again, and they become habits. I love that. I love that. Uh, it makes sense to me. It makes sense. He's one of those people that has these concepts that are so simple. It's like, duh. Duh. <laughs> but if you were to tell me uh, Gandhi would have made sense to me years ago, I probably would have laughed my ass off, I don't think. At that time, I was prepared to hear what Gandhi's about, but we'll get to that later. But just to kind of let you know... Uh, that th- this is pretty important that this dishonesty goes away. This honesty really starts, we start to confront it and face it so we can do something about it. It makes sense. Uh, another way that we encounter the need to change is if our decisions are, they tend to be impulsive. They create more problems. It's like I'm trying to solve a problem, but I'm creating more problems. They tend to be reactive. They tend to, uh, come from unresolved issues or baggage. Basically, they're fear-driven. And insecurities are a form of fear. They're fear-driven. And as I've said before, fears aren't really real. For the most part, they're not real. The ones that we live every day. Um. So sometimes we never check them. And in our body, fear feels very strong and intense. And of course, we're going to give it a lot of attention if we have not trained our and disciplined our mind. So be careful with that. Ask yourself am I making decisions mostly based on fear? And that's another form of dishonesty uh, because what you know f- when we think about facts and neutral information in situations they're not as prominent as fear and we tend to go for fear as a way to make decisions. So it doesn't make sense, but we do it anyways. <laughs> but when we're aware how intense fear is and take responsibility for what it is. It's pretty cool. So I really recommend that you write a list of fears. All the fears that you have. I don't care how small or big they are. And then you carry that paper paper around. And when you start getting offended at someone, when you start, you know, overreacting on something, pull out that sheet and see if that fear is on there because you're reacting on it. I double dare you. (laughs) All right. The next one is um, going to be about... Uh, th- th- that foundations, and I'm speaking specifically when, when we start to, when we need to change is when we have attempted to build foundations in our life, but they're so flimsy, nothing is staying up. And what I mean by that, you'll see it in all areas of your life, or more, or some of them, actually. For example, uh, it'll pop up in work when I just keep moving from job to job, because eventually my job turns into a f- a, a chaotic situation for me where I'm not getting along with anyone. And it's a pattern. You'll see me. I'm not getting along with anyone. I, um, I jump into conclusions. I think my job is a threat. I think people at my job are, are a threat. And it's a false belief, but then it makes me change jobs quite often. And, and I never truly build a career. I never seek to build a career. I, well, because I don't take responsibility for how I feel and how I think. And I'm not living with honesty. So another way you'll also see this flimsy foundation is in relationships. You know, where I keep moving from one relationship to another, to another, to another. I have a hard time being alone. So, you know, the flimsy foundation is the relationship that I have with myself and unresolved issues. And I'm wanting to start a relationship based on that bunch of scratch. (laughs) It's not going to work. It's going to keep... Uh, trailing after me from one relationship to another until I confront it until I I change until I change something get the lesson that was supposed to be learned so check your life in areas where you think it's, it's it's a flimsy foundation nothing is staying up it's like I'm trying to do something I'm putting all the effort in it but nothing is staying up then we need to face the dishonesty the denial and check to see what our beliefs are are we living our beliefs you know if I want a peaceful job environment, am I peaceful? Do I bring peace to it or do I gossip? Do I uh, uh, interpret things way out of proportion that really result in more harm for me and other people, <laughs> you know? So I need to take responsibility. I need to get my emotional needs met in those areas so this way I don't have to take them out of my job or my relationships or my schoolwork, whatever. All right, moving on to the next one. When do I need to change? I need to change if I've lost control in an attempt to gain control. And this is pretty obvious. Most people, when they come into therapy, that that's that's the main um, problem that, that that they're verbalizing. They're verbalizing it in different ways. You know, somebody can come in and say, you know, uh, my kids are talking back. My husband is acting up. I'm not being I'm not finishing tasks at home, I'm not being focused at work, and I'm a t- I'm trying to make I'm telling everybody what to do and I'm telling every I'm trying to control what my husband is doing behind my back. I'm trying to control my kids and it's gone out of control. You're way overdoing it. Way overdoing it. At which point you'll go nuts. And that's not a technical term. Or maybe it's my technical term. We'll we'll just get nutty we will get nutty attempting to gain control which in psychology it's really called perceived control because we don't really have it it's false (laughs) it's perceived control uh so check check yourself when it comes to that that's that's a boiling point for us that shows us we need to change the next one has to do with uh my beliefs being strict And my beliefs being so rigid, my rules in my world have become so rigid. I have no exit plans. It's only one way to do it or just maybe two two ways to do it. And if I don't get those two ways, I throw an emotional tantrum. Uh, It's extreme thinking and extreme, which leads to extreme living. Um, Thinking that it has to be one way or the other, all or nothing. And of course, my actions and my words and my interactions with people will be very much on those extremes. So, you know, that's something that you need to check because that says it's time to change. It's our, it's our bell saved by the bell time to change. You guys remember that show? I love that show. We must have watched every episode and that's a lot of episodes. That was a lot of episodes, but I like it. Okay. Finally, I'm going to do a shout out for people that are in recovery that already know this truth. Uh, is that we have to hit a rock bottom. You know, but a rock bottom is not the same for everyone. People can go to jail, lose their family, lose money, lose their house, lose their sense of integrity, everything. And still, it ain't over till it's over. I'll just go back to using my addiction. So it has to be a personal rock bottom. You know, again, this is where the, the lost, the loss of control. I mean, if I really had it to begin with, but it's really the perception that I've lost control. I'm unable to um, make sense of out of my life. It's not, what I'm trying to do is not working out. So a rock bottom for me could be fear, could be living in the fear of redundance, of being trapped in my own prison and I'm not able to get out. That's enough for me to change. That's a rock bottom for me. So again, it doesn't have to be obvious for people what the rock bottom is. It can be any of those following things I just mentioned. So be aware of that. That's what it takes for people to change. Now, let's get to how we can start making the change. What it would take for us to really start making the change. And almost no one asks me that question. <laughs> they want strategies. They want um tools, you know. In quotation marks. And what they really are trying to ask is like, what would take, what it would take for me to change? You know, or specifically, what do I need to have? What skills do I need to have to change that I need to be aware of and that I can build? And I'll go over that right now for you. And it is how I measure change or how I measure, measure if a person is adapting to the world and resilient. They're able to bounce back. When they are, they are uh, confronting adversity. And what that is, is flexibility. Are they able to adapt to their world? Are they able to bounce back from it? Like I said. So how do you become flexible? All right. The first issue we have to address is accepting change as part of our life. Oh, this is, this is really shocking for many people. Like, shocking. (laughs) People have a hard time with change. If you have a hard time with change, my friend, we need to work on that. It's really showing that you're inflexible. You have a hard time bouncing back. You'll stay stuck in there. We want to be able to accept ahead of time that things are going to change. We're working on this belief, hardcore when we're starting to change, Um, that things are possible, that things that I thought were not possible are possible now. That accepting change as part of life is the normal thing. When I resist change, it is abnormal. It is not healthy. It's dysfunctional. Uh, We throw a tantrum into simple types of change. For example, if I have a flat tire, I will throw a hissy fit because it's a flat tire, even though I'm not seeing in gratitude that I have a car, period. And that's cool. And because I have a car, I take the risk of having a flat tire and things will happen. Life will happen, and I can't script it, people. I cannot script my life. So I got to be able to be flexible, fluid like water. That helps us with growth and involvement and expansion. Those are important words. Accepting change is a pretty important thing. Many people that have a hard time with change are usually people that have experienced uh, some kind of trauma growing up where there was too much change, and the change uh was not a good change. So they formed this opinion that change doesn't work out for me. And so I fear change. Change is not good. Unpredictability is not good. It doesn't work out for me. But that's not true because uh, there's been, if you're still alive, there's been so many things that you've had to confront when it comes to change. So much change that has worked out for you, but your brain is not collecting that information to support a new belief or a new thought. Okay, so you need to re re readjust your gauge to seek and retrieve the information in your brain or the evidence in your brain that changes have been good in my life. Because I know there's information like that in there. I know it's not all bad. I'm pretty sure it's not all bad if you're still alive and hearing this. Okay. Okay, let's see. So accept and change and then the next part I want to talk about that actually goes with the first part they all go together they all kind of sound almost similar but they have a small tiny bit of difference so next one is is pick your battles not every area of your life requires having it the way you expect it you know it, choose what you think about and what you make priority in your life not everything needs to be controlled my friends not everything needs to be controlled I need to accept that I don't have control. Again, it's perceived control, remember? It's perceived. We're in denial if we think I have control over this. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. So get out of denial. Get out of denial. We don't have control. Pick your battles. Accept that uh, there are things that are a priority that I need to focus on, and that's good to focus on. It's healthy uh, that I can make changes in, that I actually have control over somehow and make changes in. And there's stuff that I will never have control over and attempting to control it is insane. For example, if I'm attempting to control whether my husband is going to cheat on me is insanity, but people still do it. People still check that phone, check that email, act like investigator Susie, act like investigator Bob. And that's not your job, not your job. Too much, too much. It's, you know, it's, it's not, not going to work out for your mental health. Okay. The next point is understanding when it comes to flexibility or how to become more flexible is understanding the concept of surrender versus the need for perfection. And um, yeah, <laughs> instead of writing a paper over and over and over and over or not even writing a paper, actually sometimes our self-judgment and our need for perfection, right? Which is really self-judgment, being highly self-critical and inflexible, very rigid, keeps you from performing the task you want to perform, or completing it even but even more so. You're not completing it. So I know students that will start writing up a report or an essay that will only get a week later a, a paragraph done, and they will ask for an extension, and it's kind of wild because it is it is not <laughs> doesn't take long, but because of the judgment and the need for perfection, what you think needs to be perfect and what this and it's really based on your fears and your insecurities because you're using your own silly gauge to determine what another person like your professor instructor thinks is perfect okay and saying that you're no good like it's a really nasty filthy train of thought you're no good and you need to be corrected and policed all the time you need you need to be handled (sighs) so no let's not go there surrender implies i let go I surrender, and I surrender judgment. I surrender the need for uh, explaining what other people really want and need from me. I'm giving them the privacy to think and feel whatever they want. I just do what's in front of me. I do what I'm being presented with. I don't need to know the results of whatever it is I'm doing. I just need to do it. So... I'm asking for you to stop saying, I have a need for perfection. That is not a good thing. When I hear that as a therapist, I'm like, ooh, stop. It's, it sounds cute. It sounds like you're glorifying the hell out of it. Like you're, you're so accountable and so responsible, but it is actually working against you, my friend. It is not good to say, I have a need for perfection. Just, just say I have, I'm just inflexible. I have a hard time with bouncing back. I can't complete tasks because I'm too much into my own head that I think, uh, I can somehow achieve perfection. Surrender. Surrender all that nonsense. Surrender it and just complete the task with no judgment. Surrender. Yeah, it's one of my favorite words. I might do a whole another episode on just surrender because whew, it is, you know, it's one of those topics that once I pop, I can't stop. It, I have to, like, keep going on it. So, But I'll stop for the sake of this episode, okay? The next point that I want to make when it comes to flexibility and how to become more flexible is understanding that my way is not the happiest highway. All right. Uh, opening, being open to feedback and understanding that my frame of reference, my experiences, my view of the world is limited. It is not real necessarily. It's real to me, but it's not re- real to everyone. And so making my beliefs, my experiences, your belief, and judging you based on my belief is is false, does that make sense? Did I say that right? It's kind of like I'm using my frame of reference to determine what you what I think you should do, what I think you should be, and what I think is good for you. Oh f- it's not no it's delusional it's delusional. just stand back, stand back and you know uh halt halt in mil- in the military they <laughs> we used to say uh That's one of the first things we learned in 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 boot camp was uh, to say, uh, "Halt! Advance to be recognized to like the enemy." And just let me just tell you something. I I always thought this was funny. If if I had to say that when an enemy's coming at me, I'm die, I'm dead, I'm already dead. (laughs) But it's very polite. Halt! Advance to be recognized. That's pretty cool. I love it. I love that saying. And every once in a while, I hear the word "halt," and that's what I think. Like right after it, advance to be recognized. But yeah. Um, side note, sorry about that. Okay. My way, uh, is not the happiest highway. I need to be humble about this viewpoint, eat some humble pie and understand that it's great to get feedback from other people. It's great to get, to be open to feedback and to allowing other people's thoughts and frame of reference. I don't have to believe it, but allowing it is not the same thing as believing it, right? So I can allow it. I can allow it in my own mind. I can be attentive to it and be able to determine what works for me and what doesn't. And we don't have to do it based on fear and ego. We don't have to do that. We can be flexible in that way. So I like knowing today that other that people other people have concepts of happiness and hell, it could work for me. It, it it did other people's concepts of happiness were actually better than the ones I had and that's why I had to change that's what it helped me become more flexible and open to change was that I really wasn't producing the thoughts that made me happy you know so keep that in mind okay the next point I want to make is to help you become more flexible is reducing reducing judgments and opinions checking yourself when it comes to judgments and opinions that you have about anything situations people anything it limits you it's very restrictive and rigid it's like you have little rules inside your head and you just are enforcing them enforcing them mentally again it doesn't allow for you to take in new information it makes you unteachable you don't want to be that that's inflexible inflexible it makes it difficult to change So reducing the judgments I have about people, you know, if I think one race is a certain way or have stereotypes about people, it is not right. It is not right. I will just behave on that nonsense and pretend it's true and limit my opportunities for love, for connection, for advancement in a lot of ways. So we don't want to limit our judgments about that. I need to know that my opinion about something is just my opinion. It's my opinion and I'm free to have it and I'm free to change it as well. And when I'm free, on the inside, you're free too in my presence to sound like a how I want you to sound like you're free of my judgments and my need to fix you. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So yeah, let's, let's get free right about now. Let's just do it. Let's just decide to get more flexible and free. Uh, eliminate those judgments or at least be aware of them that they're your judgments and your beliefs and your frame of reference and it doesn't have to be imposed on anybody else. All right. <laughs> Calm down, Tala. You're on fire today. On fire. Alright, the next one is uh oof, I love that one. Gosh, that was my and continues to be something I work on because it like pops up all the time. Is reducing the I ams. Ooh, this is a good one. Our society really makes it very Glorified that we need to know our identity. We need to know who we are in this world. And the more we attempt to gain control over that concept, the more we attempt to acquire the I ams. I am not a morning person. I am not a night person. I am not a, an academic. I am not a, a, a hands on person. When you limit yourself with these simple things that we say all darn day, It makes it miserable for us. It makes us so inflexible with your little I am's you're walking around with. It makes it difficult to to take a job, for example, that requires you to wake up early because you have an I am in there that I'm not a morning person. When you remove your I am's and say, I don't need to know all these things. I just need to, I am whatever the situation presents me to be, which is really wonderful and flexible. Then I can be a morning person. I can be a night person. I can be a graveyard shift person. I can be anything. It'll, it's, it works. It works. So it actually even counteracts what we've constantly believed are, which is the need to have an identity and need to put our finger right on it. Like this is it. This is our identity. It's a false belief. It keeps us imprisoned in those I am's. You keep repeating them over and over like a mantra and it keeps you stuck to them. So again, this is one of those things I can do a whole episode on the I am's and they're sneaky. My friends, the I am's are very sneaky. They could be uh, I am's on. Uh, I am not good with uh, eating healthy. I, uh, I love my sodas that's a form of I am, too. Like, I love soda. I can't quit. It's like a little rule that you're making, which is nonsense. Nonsense. You can be anything you want to be. That implies flexibility and adaptability. And again, as a therapist, that's how I measure progress. How I measure your ability to be resilient and bounce back. Is this person able to handle change gracefully? What works out for them? Where they learn a lesson that they need to learn and understand and learn their lessons from it and move forward and all that good stuff. Do, Do they do that? You know, if they don't, that's where I come in to help. So reducing the I am's really, I'm sure, will boost up your level of flexibility. When you start saying I am something, I want it to make you cringe. (laughs) Like, whoa, whoa. I want your new mantra to be I am teachable. I am teachable. I learn anything. Show me and I'll learn. You know, I want the I am's to be intentional as in, I'm a fast learner. That's a good one to have. That's an I am. That's a pretty good one to learn. It's really interesting. A while back, a patient came in and and they were saying, you know, I was asked at a job interview, you know, who, who are you? (laughs) That's a, and she's like, what, what, what would I say? What do, what do I say? And really, I don't. That's a that's a tough question. Who am I? Uh, Please do not answer that question by, I am a great organizer. I am a blah, blah, which really uh, sucks if you are not performing these I (laughs) am's. It doesn't allow for flexibility because there are times where I don't need you to be organized. There are times where I need you to be more spontaneous. Are you going to be able to do that? Or are you going to be stuck to your I am's? Hopefully I hammered that one down to all to hell, like I usually do. <laughs> okay, finally, flexibility allows us to, and it goes with the last one we just talked about, allowing us allows us to uh, leave thoughts and beliefs that we're comfortable with and try new ones out. Not just try, because I don't think try is a good word. Uh, it, just doing it, just experimenting with new thoughts, new beliefs. For example... Uh, if you were to tell me about meditation or the idea of meditation years ago, I would have been like, uh, oh, no, this is, I don't make my own granola. I'm not a, I don't, I don't do yoga. I, I do none of these things. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? I like my meat, basically. I, I don't mind meat. And I had all these silly, stupid stereotypes of what I thought other people did. And in my mind, it, I distanced really great concepts because I was, Inflexible to them because I, it was my ego telling me that, oh, I, this is fake and I'm not a hippie or whatever, you know, people call it, whatever judgments I have about it. Again, my judgments limited me to it. But after I started to change and transform, I was met again with the idea of meditation. And when I started to do it, oh my God, it was so telling about my own thinking patterns. It, helped me understand that I was not so quiet in my head and that I needed to calm down. I think about stuff that is useless. I will get worked up about stuff that is not necessary. Meditation helped me see all that. Meditation helped me sit still with myself without the need to distract and to get my value from doing something or being with someone. That's what meditation really beautifully does. It, it quiets the hell out of your mind. But I distanced it for so long because I had these opinions about it, you know, I don't do meditation. There's my hams. I, I don't, I, that's just stupid. That's a silly. But man, was I so inflexible and so obtuse. So I want you to be much more allowing of new thoughts, even if they sound like, oh God, you know, because we have judgments about them, whether we like it or not, whether we say them out loud or not, like, oh, I'm not uh, a meditation person. I don't, I'm not that kind of hippie. I don't, You know, whatever judgments we have, like I I had that judgment, honestly, I did. And it was silly and dumb and so obtuse. And I'm so glad I got rid of it because it opened up doors for me today. I live with major concepts that I learned through meditation. I, I live it every day. And meditation for me today doesn't have to be quieting of the mind. does not have to be just only when I'm sitting down in a lotus position with beautiful music in the background. Oh no, it's all day long. I'm quieting my mind all day long. It's a beautiful experience, you guys. Beautiful. I'm emotionally available to my family, emotionally available to myself. It's wonderful. Wonderful. So allow what your subconscious has made, has protected you from for so many years because of whatever beliefs you have on the inside. Cause that's what your subconscious does. If it has a belief that, for example, um, meditation is like a not for you and it's people that are, that do it are fake. Then if that you have that judgment or that belief in there, your subconscious will do its job and protect you from, from it no matter what, no matter what. But it's also protecting you from the benefits of it, which is the quietness, the stillness, the joy of life, being present, being in gratitude. That's what it's protecting you from. So check those beliefs, you guys, check those beliefs because there's so many things in the, in our beliefs that make us rigid, inflexible, and we want to be resilient. We want to move forward. We want to learn and be teachable and be humble and all that good stuff. These false nonsense statements are, are nonsense. They keep beautiful things like meditation and healthy way of living away from my mind. Like I'm, I don't deserve it. Like I'm unworthy of it. And it's not true today. Not true. All right. I hope this was useful to you guys. And I really enjoyed doing this. I've been wanting to do it for some time, and I need to be awake. So I got some good sleep, people. It was wonderful. And I, uh, I really appreciate, again, all your, your support. And I'm always grateful that I get to have this platform to give away what was so generously given to me. So thank you, guys. This has been an episode of Drive Through. Mm-hmm.